gentlemen, welcome to Matt Chat. This is David Miracatani. Today, I'm, it's my pleasure to be joined by Cody Bickley from USA Wrestling. Cody, how are you doing today? Good, Dave. Yeah, thanks for calling. No worries. Um, really want to pick your brain. There's a lot of stuff going on right now, and some people that I really trust, uh, you come highly recommended, so I can't wait to talk to you. Let's, let's dive right into it. Um, your title over there is the National team's high-performance manager. Tell me what what that means uh, in layman's terms for folks like me. Yeah, yeah. So when I started, uh, Dave, in November of 2009, I came from a collegiate setting. I was a uh, assistant wrestling coach at a D2 and then a head coach there for eight years and then got out of coaching and was associate athletic director. Uh, came to USA Wrestling in November of 2009 uh, in the coach's education field and then Worked a little bit into the uh, development, working with development kids. And then, obviously, uh, Mitch Hull retired uh, here recently, the last couple years, and, and Les Gutches, who oversees our strategy, really within national teams and, and state services area, uh, decided to restructure a little bit. And uh, I came over to the national team side um, along with him, where he has oversight of national teams and state services. But I'm a little bit more of the manager of the day-to-day with our coaching staffs and um, obviously our national team athletes, our development teams, any tours that we have going on, just making sure that we're putting things in place. I'm the main liaison with the United States Olympic Committee when it comes to all you know games and, and preparation and make sure we have what we need in, in the run-up to the games and and uh, a lot of meetings with the USOC, obviously not just the games process, but obviously athletes that we have here, uh, the plans moving forward, the high-performance plans. And um, so really it's just, uh, you know, just the day-to-day operations of our, our national teams, but ultimately working with our coaches to make sure we're moving in a direction and I can do the best I can to support them on their vision and, and help carry that plan out. Um, so I will tell you I'm excited with uh, – Joe Russell and Gary Mayhab coming on board, you know, once again restructuring a little bit. And we're excited to have them on board, and and uh, they definitely bring some great pieces to the puzzle that we're excited about. We have been going through a lot of transition hires, and obviously I've been excited to be a part of that and, and that process and feel we're bringing in some good people for sure. But uh, really it's national teams, you know, oversight and, and working with our coaches. That's that's awesome. We had uh, I had Gary Mayab on. He's actually his his interview is up right now on Track Wrestling and uh, you know on, on the podcast website. And super organized guy. I've known him for years through uh, through just being in Missouri and, and actually wrestled on teams that he coached. And uh, big fan of Joe Russell. We talked about him. Uh, Andy Hamilton and I did on our podcast this past week. So. Right. And I know you work with like the Bill Zaddix of the world and the Matt Lindlands and, and I know you'll be working with folks on filling that, that Brent Metcalf position and I know we're gonna talk about all that stuff a little bit in a little bit here. Um I, I had the true, true pleasure of having Rich Bender on this show a couple of weeks ago. One of the really good guys in wrestling and arguably the best yeah. the best storyteller in the business as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and uh that guy knows how to captivate a room, that's for sure. Um, He's good at his job. Yeah. He mentioned the four pillars that USA Wrestling follows. Um, and so if, if if you could talk a little bit about how your job, how you're pursuing those on a regular basis, because I had a lot of feedback about that. So, you know, how they, they thought that was really 
the, the vision that USA ha- Wrestling has is really is very focused. So how, how do you see yourself uh, really building those four pillars? Yeah, so within those four pillars, obviously, it's the responsibility of every employee here at wrestling to, you know, have a hand in all four of those. But uh, obviously, I probably tie into one a little bit more when you start looking at what they are, you know, with one being achieve competitive excellence, two, grow the base, three, leadership and governance, and four, wrestling community strengthen, you know, with different programs. So, um, you know, backing up a little bit, once again, working with the athletes, the coaches, the national teams is a lot of my day-to-day uh, operations business, but still, it's you know I'm a, I'm a representative of USA Wrestling, and I I don't take that lightly. You know I want to grow the base and and help provide a leadership and and be that individual that you know coaches and our volunteer coaches that are great out there. We got some great volunteer coaches, and we can't do it without them. A lot of strong coaches, obviously, right now. Good kids coming up, and you know if I, I'm just a small piece to it for sure. But uh, I would like to think that um, when it comes to achieving competitive excellence, I'm I'm helping that you know I'm that conduit for the coaches and once again our staff here and as well as the volunteer pool uh, to make sure that we're trucking on all cylinders and doing the things that we need. Um, it's hard. There's a lot of entities to try and please and understand that we can't do that. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm looking out for the best interests of USA Wrestling, especially our national teams. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you guys, you know, I've I've known Gary Abbott for years, and you know, like I said, I've known Rich, and I know Taylor Miller from her time at Oklahoma State. So you guys obviously have, you know, a, a very well-oiled machine up there. Um, so when I spoke to some people that I really rec- I really uh, trust their recommendations, really respect them, folks like like Eric Guerrero and some other folks like in his status that talk about what a great job you do not only at USA Wrestling, but specifically what you do in terms of making sure that regional training centers go, that they happen, that they're run correctly, that they're running compliance, all these sort of things. And it's interesting because, you know, if you're a person like me, you're, you subscribe to a lot of other periodicals and things like that, not just track wrestling. And the newest Win magazine came out, and there's articles in there about RTCs. And talking to some folks out there that actually understand them, I believe there's a lot of misconceptions out there. So, you know, I'm hoping that I ask you the right questions and kind of clarify some of the thoughts that are out there. So what I'd like to start out with is first, how and why did regional training centers or RTCs come into existence? Yeah, so they – to be quite honest, I mean, to be quite honest, they've been around for a long time, right? With, right. With the Gables and then we're doing it Iowa and, and these, keeping these guys that have, you know, used up their eligibility around and training. And it's just that we've, we've expanded them. And, um, what I mean by that is, you know, when Zeke Jones came on board, he wanted to put more of a presence, um, in place with, with having access to the younger athlete and, and having them access to our, our best coaches out there because here's the fact, Dave, we can't we can't fly in kids to the Olympic Training Center and and accomplish what we want to accomplish just because of schedules. That's a fact. Yeah. And um you know so for sure it was a it was a good vision. Uh, my responsibility now I'd like to think that for sure they've they've grown. Um when the Troy Steiners are getting hired in the world, you know, he's the first one to call me and, and say, Hey Cody, can you talk to my A D on this? We need to get on a call and I need to stress to them the importance of these RTCs. And so I've had several calls like that with 
coaches with ADs so that they can get an understanding of how this is supposed to work. And for sure, um, I'll be the first to state that me sitting here in Colorado Springs or Bill Zadig sitting here in Colorado Springs, we're going to rely heavily on the compliance departments at the institutions uh, to help put in place the, the standards and criteria that, that we've assigned. Um, I do work regularly with an NCAA liaison that I have communication with monthly to make sure we're going about things the right way and, and uh, have, you know, obviously it's our vision, but, you know, when you're talking about things like this and NCAA compliance rules, there's, there's a lot of things that you got to look at, and it's an ever-changing climate. And I don't claim to be the expert on that for sure, but uh, what I want to do is, like I said, is is grow, grow the base and make our kids better. And I truly feel, and we can get into that, looking at some of the results that we've had the last couple of years with our development teams, mm-hmm. I don't think it's a lightning strike. I think that there's for sure reasons why we're having the success we are at the age level. And um, I, I truly believe that the RTCs are a part of that. And when you got guys like the Spencer Lees and the Dayton Fixes and the Mark Halls and, and those guys that have access to – to some of these coaches out there, for sure, they're going to get better. Opportunity, they're going to get better. Um, We've made a focused effort to, for sure, bring in those development kids and train with our senior-level athletes. Bill Zadig, Brandon Slade did a great job with that in the development position, and there's no doubt we have every intention to carry that on. And so, really, it's just trying to to get better, uh, trying to grow. And, um, you know, I, I hear that stuff out there. I'm well aware there's challenges no matter where you're at. Uh, but at the end of the day, I want to try to put position USA Wrestling the best we can uh, for competitive excellence when it comes to the world championships. And I feel that we're doing that. I really do. And I, like I said, it's not just me saying that. I think you can look at results and see that things are starting to click. And we can always get better. And I, I'll state that as well. I mean, we, I need to get better. Uh, we need to get better as an organization. And uh, but at the end of the day, I feel we're 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 trekking and we're doing some some things right. And um, like I said, it, it's at the end of the day, I'm 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 I am I'm working hard. I'm talking to those ads. I'm talking to those coaches. And uh, I'm trying to convince them that this is the thing that they need to do. But at the same time, I get it too. You know, then you're talking a piece of of raising outside money to to fund these RTCs the way that you want, but. I'll tell you, Dave, I look at it from a positive, too. You look at some of these RTC hires just as of late, and I look at it as another opportunity. Your coaches are getting jobs now that that weren't in place prior to. There wasn't a focus on them. And I think when you bring in the Steve Mockos and the Stephen Abbas and, you know, the Brent Metcalfs, and and it's – I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, it's it's another resource for those college programs, and for sure – um, selfishly, you know, we, we like to see him cranking, and um, I don't hide behind that. No, for sure, for sure. And so, you know, it's interesting because I always sort of have a list of questions in my mind I want to ask you, and then when I listen, you guys always give me the better questions to ask. So you mentioned as a, a specific example that you got on the phone with Coach Steiner at Fresno, and you're you're on those initial calls with – the athletic director there and talking about bringing a guy like Abbas on board there. So for those of us, you know, that just read about this and really don't know it, and this is where you live, you're, you're in the weeds here every day. What, what is a conversation like that? Like, I mean, are you saying you explaining to this athletic director, here's the rules, here's the benefits. 
you know, and making sure that they understand how compliance works? I mean, how exactly yes. does that happen? Well, and yeah, exactly. You're exactly right, Dave. And, and with that, it's it's when you're talking to the compliance officers and the athletic directors, what's their first deal? Is how does this work? Right? Explain this to me. What's oversight on this? What's our process? And I'm right out of the gate. Like I said, I, it can't be me or Bill sitting here. We got to rely on those compliance officers and those athletic administration because. Um, I'm not at Fresno State every day. I'm not at, you know, Ohio State or Oklahoma State or these places. You know, we have tons of, I know I'm missing a bunch, but sure. we have tons of RTCs that are up and running. But I'm just stating that when those calls occur and you're, you're talking to those administrators on the what it can bring to their college programs, it is that, is that, listen, this is going to require more work of you and your athletic department because we need to rely on you to implement what, you know, the, the myself and Bill and, and the others at USA Wrestling working in conjunction with the USOC liaison and the NCAA liaison to make sure that we have things in place that everybody's in agreement with. But ultimately, at the, the end of the day, sure, we have to rely on the compliance officers. But I look at it from this standpoint. They're doing their job. They're doing it already. This is going to help your collegiate program. And it, you know, it's a way to once again bring bring more people on board and and help grow the base and and get bigger and get better. Um, so a lot of the conversations stem around that: is what is our requirements? What are you going to need from us to make this work? And once they get that, I will tell you that the majority of them are like, "Wow, this seems like a no brainer." Yeah, it may cost me more money, or uh, we've got to figure out a way to raise money to do this, but. Uh, for sure, I can see where this is a benefit to our wrestling program. Right, and clearly that's you're, you, clearly what you're saying is absolutely correct based on how RTCs are popping up and being maintained and things like that. So I think one of the things that people really – there's just – people don't understand, and I'm going to talk for a minute and then let the smart guy like you talk, but – that I don't think people understand what this, where the separation and overlap are between a regional training center and that college or university. Right. And, and in terms of, I think like, you know, the staffing, the training times, the workout partners, I think like somebody gets hired. Like I think people think Stephen Abbas is now part of the Fresno State coaching staff or something like that. And I've talked to people that I trust and even spoke to you about this in preparation for this call. And, and, those miscon those are just that they're misconceptions. So right. what from from the guy that knows, from the guy that is is doing this in you, you and, and you know, your role, what is the separation and overlap yeah. between a regional training center and and I should even say this, and they don't have to all be tied to a university, like my friend Terry Pack has an RTC at Legends of Gold and that's Right. Not, You're exactly right. Right. Yes. And we'll get into that. But just I think most of the stuff is okay. Iowa State has an RTC. Oklahoma State has an RTC. Fresno State has an RTC. Iowa has an RTC. So what is Mark Perry allowed to do and not allowed to do? What is Stephen Abbas allowed to do and not allowed to do? What is Steve Mako allowed to do and not allowed to do? So and none of those names really specifically matter, but the person right. in that role, what are they allowed to do? What are they not allowed to do? How are those rules enforced? 
Yeah. So what I'll talk I'll talk about from the RTC perspective because okay. that's that's sure. where I come from. Now, with regards to the NCAA compliance and what they can do, NCAA coaches are better. I could speak to that a little bit, but the NCAA coaches are and administrators are are better equipped to to talk from that standpoint. But when we're talking what they're supposed to be doing with the RTCs is um, obviously these guys are running the RTC practices. So it's simple that you get online, you look at our criteria, and if a kid can meet that criteria that's listed online, they can go to the RTC practice. RTC practice meaning outside of college practices. There's also another piece to this that you might, I don't know if you know, but um, NCAA bylaw 14.2.3.2 uh, with the Olympic waivers. Um, and that has to do with um, the college coaches can seek from the NGB access to where, like, some of these guys that are finishing up their degree, they can actually practice during their with their college programs um, while they're finishing up their degree, and it's called an Olympic waiver. So there's that piece. And they can actually go in and participate in their college practices if they have these waivers. And that's that's an NCAA bylaw, and I just stated it. So um, a a lot of institutions do that during the regular season. And then when you get to the RTC practices, um, it's, you know, there's a lot of criteria. I don't want to dive into every one of those. But they have to meet criteria, and it has to be run at separate times. It's not, and if they don't meet the criteria, they're not supposed to be in that practice. And the big thing is, it's the international styles. You're not running folk style practices. You run freestyle or Greco practices for RTC practice. So that's what these coaches getting hired are are doing. They're working with those RTC athletes that meet the criteria that are stated. And once again, it's it's a development model. You're getting some of these elite level guys, you know, rubbing shoulders and training with some of these younger kids, which is exactly what we do at our development camps that, you know, and we bring in some of these guys for senior camps. We have crossover. We will bring in some of these cadet world team members, these kids that just won in Akron this past weekend. We'll bring in them into the senior camps to train with some of our senior guys. So um, we, we've obviously seen the benefits to that, right? And, and so to interrupt they, real quick, when you bring in like these Akron kids and they're training with the Jordan Burroughs level guys, but they're still right. all training freestyle and they're not at a campus. It's not, I mean, no. like you, or they, at the OGC, I know like they had that mixed level camp a while back at Arizona State, but that's a USA wrestling. That's movie. our camp. Yeah. Just that's our camp. camp. Right. It happened to be at Tempe. I, I we can that. we can run those camps anywhere we want if our, if our national sure. staff wants to go out there and do that. And yeah, we got the support at the institution for sure. And we get a lot of calls like that, and, you know, a lot of it just depends on timing and what we have available because there's times, obviously, where we can't make things happen here at the training center because we're not the only sport in town, <laughs> right? And so there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot going on now. We're fortunate now. We've, you know, we've, we've made renovations in the last couple of years and, and have that, an A-plus map facility now, right now that we're excited about and change the dynamics of what we can do here. But, you know, still you're talking bed space and things, so – um, yeah, it's, there's there's no doubt about it. It's a partnership, and I'll I'll lead into this a little bit, Dave. I'll, I'll tell you this: you look at this uh, younger generation run. Let's just talk at the NCAA level. What's going on in these young bucks making run at NCAA titles? I'll tell you, there was a time probably not too long ago when people were, you know, the the Pat Smiths and the Kale Sanderses. When you start talking four NCAA titles, it was almost like it was whispered. And then they did it, and for sure, it's a phenomenal accomplishment. No doubt. It's big time. But I'm telling you, with the kids that we're looking at in the pipeline and what's going on right now, 
I think in the not-so-distant future, it will become more commonplace where every one or two years, we literally have kids in the hunt for four NCAA titles. And once again, I don't think that's by mistake. (laughs) The kids are getting better, but I think it's what they have access to and what's going on right now that's making them better. You know, when Mark Hall goes and, and trains with Jordan Burroughs a lot of summers, do you think that doesn't help him? Yeah, he might have got, might have got a little better than that. Yeah, right? For sure. Yeah, for sure. It, it makes a difference. Right. So I, I want to make sure that I understand this correctly because if I don't, you know, it's my fault for not asking the right question. So let's just say I live here in St. Louis, and St. Louis University is a school. It doesn't. It's a, it's a real school. It exists. It doesn't have a wrestling program. Let's say tomorrow – they created, you know, we're Division One. We've we've gone through all the compliance. We've, you know, done our sat out period, all that things. And now I'm going to get an RTC, and I'm going to bring in, you know, Joe Blow to be my RTC coach. Mm-hmm. Can he? Is he have free reign to just stick his head in on my college practices whenever he wants, or is he not allowed to be in there at all? Or how does that work? Yeah. So once again, it's uh, make sure I. Um fully understand your question, but, uh, you know, talking about peeking your head head into practices and whatnot, um, you know, that that's, once again, that's depending on how they have the colleges have their staff set up, but I, I'm strictly talking from these, these RTC guys. I mean, their main focus is these separate RTC practices. The coach is just, the, in my example, let's say it's my brother, and he has been hired 100% only as the RTC coach. Is he right. allowed to just come in and roll around with the guys during college practice or even just sit there and coach or just watch. Is that, is that legal? Yeah. Yes. It is. Yeah. As long as they, you know, they're going in, they're helping out with their college. I mean, we don't have control over that. USA wrestling doesn't have control over that. So then it's legal as long as the NCAA doesn't say it's illegal. Correct. So it's whatever NCAA bylaw or rules. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned like, and I was pretty impressive. I'm not going to probably repeat it. Right. But 13.3. Well, that had to do with athletes. Right. That had to do with athletes. Sure. Okay. I mean, that's just one that I deal with on a routine basis, just because I'm writing the letters and making sure that the athlete that they're seeking the Olympic waiver for is, is justified. I gotcha. Yeah. It makes sense. So um, what are the exact requirements necessary to qualify and maintain status as a regional training center? Yeah, so you don't have to you go online and look at it. It's, it's a minimum of four athletes that meet the criteria. And obviously, you know, we would prefer the senior-level athletes, but that's that's not necessarily the case. I mean, if you have, uh, you know, kids in your area that, that meet the criteria and can run practices and are, are set up to do so, generally we're going to try to support you in that effort. Um, so once again, it's just access. It's access to the coaches, you know, that that are available. But um, it literally just has to do if you have four guys that meet criteria, as the bullet point stated, then you're good to go. And the criteria is some some high enough level on the USA Wrestling ladder. Yeah, yeah, right, for sure. Most of it's obviously USA Wrestling event-oriented or elite-level high school kids or or senior-level guys that are winning matches. I mean, the, the criteria is right there on on uh, what you have to, and then there's numerous bullet points, but sure. uh, there's numerous ways to qualify for an RTC. But the fact being, and when we were working with the NCAA on this, it's not just a club. It's not come one, come all. I mean, you, you have to meet the criteria, and if you don't, then you need to work to get to an event to meet a marker and, and do that. And I had conversations with college coaches this weekend in Akron that were doing just that. They're trying to 
you know, get some guys to, to meet a criteria so they can fall into the RTC practices. Right. And, and that's obviously because of the huge benefits that come with having an yeah. RTC on your, on your campus. So, yeah. so, so let's say I'm a high school coach and I've got four Fargo champs in my room. I'm, I'm guessing yep. that probably is, is what I, that's one that would check a box, right? So now I could have an RTC. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. But once again, you need a proper training environment, right? I mean, right, who's right, working? Right. Let, yeah, we get yeah. all the other I mean, okay. So, but here's my question then. So I have the proper training environment. I, I do all the silver, bronze, gold level. Uh, yep, background checks, memberships, athlete sure. meeting criteria, memberships verified. You know, right. Tony Black helps me in that for sure. Right, all those things. So now I got these four champs and I have an RTC. What happens when they graduate? When they graduate, then once again, they have to, it's based off the, the last five years, if you look at it. So they have to meet a marker within the last five years. So, it, so if they matriculate out, let's say a guy does that, right, and he gets to his fifth year of college and he hasn't done anything, he better be looking to try to get to some freestyle or Greco's tournament so that he can meet a marker, which is what I was just talking about with some of those college guys, coaches that were in that same boat. So if in 2016 I had four Fargo winners, um, I'm, I'm my RTC status is okay for five years to like 2021. That athlete, no, that athlete is. So once again, that they for sure they can help you keep that status. But once again, it's the criteria of the athlete is looked at on a yearly basis. Okay, so the athlete is looked at on a yearly basis, and they sort of have a five-year grandfather clause, if I yeah, if I understand correctly. So the RTC themselves, though. Again, I mean, like you have certain programs like, you know, I mean, I think we're, it, it's pretty obvious, you know, like the, the, the top Division One programs like Penn State, Ohio State, uh, Iowa, Oklahoma State, these schools, they're always going to have more than the four guys. They're always going to have people. Yep. So, I mean, they're not really like, well, gosh, I wonder if any one of those four schools, and I don't want to say anything negative, but XYZ school is going to be able to maintain their RTC status because clearly that's not an issue. But let's just – yeah. Go ahead. And I want to expand on one thing. I mean, we're we're putting in the uh, another criteria in place that we added this year is that in order to be recognized as an RTT, RTC the following year, you've got to be engaged more, meaning that um, you're going to have to get to some of our national team camps with Bill Zadig or, you know, get some guys. So we're starting to work towards that to where it's going to be a little bit harder, obviously. Right. And uh, then just having the kids is you're going to have to have some coach involvement, too, to where you're getting to some of these camps and truly engaged in our national teams program. Right. And I'm trying to ask this question, and I think I'm doing a poor job of asking, so I'm going to try another way. If I have an RTC that I've established and then the athletes that help me reach that criteria leave, like I'm a high school coach, you and three other guys all win Fargo. Then you all graduate and you all go to school, you know, a thousand miles away. Start over. I Am I now not an RTC? Yes, you got to have the kids to meet the, that are in your area that meet the criteria, right? So then my status right. becomes revoked. Is that correct? Well, you wouldn't get it the following year, right? Ah. Because those kids are gone. Right. They're so, gone. So when it comes time to renew... Every year at the start of the membership year, turn in your roster, let us know where you're at, who's practicing. If those kids are gone, if they're a thousand miles away, right, right, it's different. <laughs> it's not the same. Right. No, so exactly. you better find four kids again in your area that have those markers. I get it. Okay. Because, you know, I, I've heard of some people saying they had an RTC and, I mean, there's no need to call anyone out, but I just know for a fact they don't because 
in preparation for this interview, I looked at those markers. I'm like, there ain't four guys anywhere near that. And so I just, I, I just, I just wanted to make sure that people understand that, that, you know, it's just probably like a lot of things. Just because you say you have something or you are something doesn't make it so. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I think that's important, though. So um, the folks that I've talked to about you and about your work ethic and about your attention to detail, one of the things they talk about a lot is how the results have been so much better since your involvement with these RTCs. So and it's it's cool, I think, to look at it from your perspective, because you're looking at things from this sort of global level, like not is David's RTC better than Cody's RTC. It's how right. are we kicking butt as a country? That's you know? exactly what I'm looking at. Right, <laughs> yes. right, which is yeah. so cool, right, because that's – I mean, you're normal, and I talk to almost every person I talk to on a weekly basis. Your guy's normal is amazing to the rest of us, so – you know, and that's why you're on the show, because you guys are doing amazing things. So what results have you seen in these tangible, quantifiable terms uh, since RTCs were created that you can share with the folks listening? Yeah, you know, I appreciate that. And, and thank you, Dave. I, I definitely appreciate the compliment. And But like I said, it comes down to a lot of people uh, putting the help and putting the place, you know, the plan in place. But with regards to this, I don't think I talked about our development teams as of late, and um, I'll be honest, there was a, a time not too long ago where there was a lot of chatter out there, um, where there were um, discussions about, oh, our, our development kids, they make these world teams, and then they go overseas, and they go one and done, and, and they just weren't prepared, and rightfully so, rightfully so, that that was that was the case, we struggled with that a little bit, sure, we had some one-off success, but not overall what we've seen the last couple of years. Um, and what I talk about that is, is uh, you know, it's um, we were in a situation last year, and I'll just use our start off with our cadet world team, you know, our 10 weights, right? We just set 10 weights in Akron this weekend. Okay. And last summer, 7 out of 10 kids, 7 out of 10, 70% won a cadet world medal, wow. a world medal. And that's a phenomenal stat. And our juniors did extremely well. We're seeing back-to-back. You got your, you know, Yanni Dikamahalas, Gable Stevenson, you know, that are that are doubling up. You know, you're set first there. So it's still turned down to the cadets. And then obviously our juniors are having success. But I just wanted to point that out. And, you know, now you've got guys like Travis Whitlake and Kurt McHenry that are going to try to go back and repeat a, a cadet world medal. And I think that's where we, we struggled. We were – we get that one-off kid and he medals and he does good, but we didn't see the consistency. And I think it's pretty easy to see now we're starting to get some consistency. These are, these kids are becoming, um, you know, where they're repeating. They're they're doing well. The Spencer Lee's multiple world medals, you know, and championships. I mean, it's, it's impressive what these kids are doing. Right. And um, I think that it's going to, I I stated it earlier, I think that it's going to continue to get better. But, you know, there was – there were. I mean, I, I I looked at that too. There were some some entities out there that looked at our results last summer, and you know there was argument that could it possibly have been the the best development world championships in USA wrestling history? And I think it was a strong argument for it. When you, I'm biased obviously, but just look at it from the stats, and I think we saw it. I think we saw it. Well, 
you mean whether you're biased or not, right? It's it's kind of like you're either six foot tall or you're five foot eleven. You measure it, right? I mean, if you've got yeah. statistics to back it up, then it is what it is. So right. I think again, and the folks I talk to, that's what they they refer to. Like, look, your goal, and you can hear it in your voice, the level of passion that you have for this is. You know, you're, you're not rooting for school A over school B over school C. No. You're rooting for school USA. And I, I'm, if they're willing to put in the work, I'm right there with them. I'm right there with them. And that's what I found out, you know, about this as well with these RTCs is for sure. There's there's some, some guys out there that hump it, and they get after it hard. I mean, they work it hard. And uh, I think we're starting to see some of the benefit of that. But, um, you know, it's, it's no different, right? If I'm in, <laughs> if I'm in sales and I'm working hard, I'm probably going to get the commissions. That's if right. I'm not, if I'm not working, I'm probably not going to get the commissions. And that's how we look at it. And, um, we want to get as many people on board and working as hard as we can. And I think we're trending in that direction. I think a lot of, there's obviously, it's obvious to see there are a lot of people that are, are getting on board with this and they want to support it and their administrations want to support it. So, um, let's go. I think, you know, we're, we've got Iran and Russia literally wondering what's going on at our, our cadet and junior levels right now. You know, they want to come train with us and they're wondering how, you know, what's going on with our pipeline because they see it. They, they, they can see that the pipeline is strong for USA right now and they're going to have to make some adjustments or things are going to hopefully look different in 2020 and 2024. Yeah. Well, for sure. And and it's funny because I come from the financial services industry and for years, it's exactly right. And if you hustle and you work hard and you educate yourself, you earn the commissions to, to quote you directly. And if you don't, you're the guy complaining in the office about the person that did. So, yes. yeah. And I think it's the same way with the, the competitors, right? The guys that work the hardest usually have, you know, the yeah. success. It's not, right? They're not. There's no big secret to it. It's just that, yeah, I would like to think that we're working hard to promote these and talk to the people and get the people on board. And, um, you know, it's for sure an investment on their part. I mean, we, that's the thing too, right? It's, it's not that we're writing any of these RTCs a check. That is not the case at all. I mean, this is fully on the individuals that are running these RTCs. And, um, yeah, there's a benefit to them, but there's also a benefit to us. And at the end of the day, I'll just leave it at this. I think everybody's getting better. Yeah. And when, the bar the bar is being raised. Right. And and that leads me right into what I was going to ask you. What what are some of the biggest individual success stories that you've seen? And and obviously these kids work hard and they may have, you know, had the same level of success with or without the RTC, but where you feel like, hey, this person because of RTCs was able to get this amount of training partners which led to Success story X. What are a couple of folks like that, you know, that, that people can really sort of tie these seven out of tens or these other numbers and, and have a couple tangible names and stories with them? Yeah. Well, I talked about some of them, you know, the success that some of these guys are had. And I'm just talking about, you know, I talked about some of those guys that are repeat medals. Right. Uh, but, you know, you're, there were still, you know, seven other kids at that cadet level that, that, uh, you know, won their first medal and, I have no, no doubt that we're probably going to see them shaking the tree at the junior level and U23s that are coming on board and hopefully our senior. I mean, that's the intent. And, um, you know, once again, like I said, I think it comes back to opportunity and these kids are getting more opportunities. They're rubbing shoulders with our senior guys more than they have been in the past. And obviously the results speak for themselves. Um, so, you know, I think that's, 
that's just where I where I come from on it. It's pretty simple. It's just that uh, make it bigger, make it better, and set the bar higher, and hope people want to get on board. And obviously, like I said, we got a lot of great coaches out there, and they don't, you know, they want to they want to do good things, and obviously they're doing what's best for them, you know, themselves and their programs or the clubs, institutions, whatever it might be. But you know, bottom line, the red, white, and blue is getting better at the same time. For sure. And and for some of the people that just aren't going to go dig up the names, what are some of those cadets or some of those age group kids that you were mentioning that that you know, like those seven out of ten, who are who are some of those kids that are that have done so well so far? Besides, I know you mentioned Kurt and Travis. Who are some of those other kids? Yeah, well, you know, you have the Yannis and the the Vitos. You know, those guys have been been doing real well. And uh, you know, I talked a little bit about the freestyle guys, but we're even seeing it on the on the Greco side, and I think you're going to start to see that as well, you know, with Matt and his program and working with the Taylor Lamonts and, um, you know, you know, and, and you see Tracy Hancock and what he's doing and, and right. going crazy and making multiple teams and, you know, the Kamal Bays and, and uh, you know, the, the Mason Manvilles. It's there as well. And right. uh, not only that, our, our women had a great summer, um, age level last year. So, you know, like I said, I hate to – you know, start naming names because we had so many. Sure. I mean, the, you know, we had so many. But there, there, there's different angles to look at it. Here's another stat that's crazy. When we're talking about our women's program, we got to get a lot better there. People are, you know, we were third. Terry and his program has finished third, third, you know, the last four or five years, I believe, at the senior level and, and the world championships and the medal count in Rio. And third's pretty good, right? You're taking home a trophy. But at the end of the day, you look at what we're trying to chase down there with a women, you know, Japan program, the Japanese program. Right. And uh, I will tell you a crazy stat that at the cadet junior in Rio Olympics last year, the Japanese women won 75% of the available available gold medals, gold, at those three age levels. That's impressive. That's impressive. When you're when you're talking impressive. about, yeah, I'm not even talking medals, right? I'm talking gold medals. Sure. When you take into account there were 10 women's weights, there were eight juniors' weights, and there were six in Rio for the women, they won 75% gold. That's a pretty darn good hit rate. <laughs> yeah, 18 out of 24 so, is scary. Yeah, yeah. so when, when you start talking about that, I mean, we got a lot of work to do there. Um, so it's a different focus, and and we've got to look at things doing differently. So it's not that it's just because we're doing it in men's freestyle means we need to do it in, in women's freestyle and Greco. I mean, that's that's part of my job as well. I'm not just tied into men's freestyle. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help carry and, and the vision and, and grow what we can do there. And like I said, we're bringing some great people on board that we think are going to help in that vision. For sure. And I mean, but it's not your credit or blame that on the collegiate side of these folks that have RTCs, they're probably going to focus on freestyle because it's the style that's most conducive to For sure. working with folk style. So, I mean, that's, you know, that just seems that's to be their choice. Sense. For sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. I definitely want to ask this. I think you've sort of touched on it, but just so people understand it, and maybe almost in the naming of some of these things, um, like, for example, if you see, like, the Nittany Lion Wrestling Club or the Cowboy Wrestling Club, those folks, I mean, because you see the term wrestling club, and then there's also RTCs. Right. Some wrestling clubs are an RTC, and some wrestling clubs are not an RTC. Is that correct? Yeah. 
So that's strictly, Dave, how they choose to name their regional training center. If they want to be a club, obviously there's been a shift for some of them going to the regional training center right. and having that distinction. But some of them, um, you know, depending on what they have running with their club, you know, maybe their 501c3 status, which is a whole other ball of wax, then, right. right, just not changing things and going through the paperwork. They choose just to keep it the same, but it doesn't it doesn't change anything for them. It's just the naming. Right. So an RTC can be a wrestling club, and that's fine, but not yes. all wrestling clubs are RTCs unless they Correct. meet those criteria. The criteria. Right. That's exactly right. Okay. I just want to make sure people understand that. So, you know, so if you do hear, you know, the – like, for example, Penn State obviously has an RTC, you know. Yeah, an Indian Lion Wrestling Club. Right. It just doesn't say RTC in their title. So, right, for sure. So what are some of – I mean, you obviously you talk about this at a very high level and understand this stuff down to 14.3.2 or whatever <laughs> it was. Uh, and, and I'm a numbers guy, and you lost me, so that's that's impressive. Um, what, what are some of the biggest misconceptions that you think – are out there that you can help help us dispel today as we're talking? Well, I think at the end of the day, Dave, really what it comes down to that it really anybody that wants to put in the work to get an RTC up and running and, and have the kids around, I, I understand that there's, you know, maybe different level of kids within sure. that radius that we're talking about. But at the end of the day, everybody has an opportunity and uh, we don't turn them away. If they want to work at it, we're going to help them. And um, that's that's really what it amounts to. And uh, everybody has the opportunity to develop kids and, and grow the base in their area, and that's what we're asking. Hey, and th- th- here's another thing, too. If, you know, you have a kid and he has four or five RTCs within his radius, he can go to any of those as, as many times as he wants, given the time frame that they can do it. Uh, you know, not during their high school seasons is what I'm talking about, uh, PSAs. But if he wants to go over here and practice and he meets criteria, each one of those RTCs could put that kid on their RTC roster because he's, he's within their, their, uh, 250 miles. So a kid could go over here and work with this coach one day or these coaches and then maybe the next two weeks he goes over here. And once again, I think that just helps with the kid's development. So, and that's a great point. So, like, let's say I live in, you know, whatever spot, and I'm within 250 miles of, let's say I'm in St. Louis. I live within 250 yep. miles of Columbia, Missouri. I yep. live within 250 miles of the University of Illinois. Um, yep. And then wherever else that might have, a, let's just say theoretically, and I know it's not true, but let's say Stillwater was within 250 miles of me. Then mm-hmm. I could go to any of those three if they're willing to put me on their rosters. Is that correct? That's correct. That's correct. And I have to obviously be pretty good to have the criteria to make the roster. Right. And not just do a podcast, but if I was if I was a good wrestler, then I can make those criteria, right? Yeah. So once again, I think that just I think that's another piece to adding to the development, right? We don't want to get in the business for sure of saying, okay, you can only go to this RTC within those bounds. We don't want any part of that. None. Right. Right. So you want to get better. Go get Here's better. where you have access. Go get better. Yes. And, I mean, every coach is – I mean, you know, I, I've done some jujitsu, and there's – it's interesting. Some coaches feel like, well, you only need to train with me, and I think those are really the short-sighted coaches because – It is short-sighted, 100%. And I think those are the most insecure guys out there because God yep. forbid you go somewhere else and learn something that, you know, from somebody else. Now, if you're – And, you know, the – 
You know the exciting things about this, Dave, is our senior level guys. We're starting to see that too, right? You see these guys on social media that that these post grad guys, right? They're spending time, even though they're entrenched at an RTC, maybe Arizona State, wherever still wherever they're at, Ohio State, wherever Nittany Lion, right? They're going into other RTCs and training together. Sure. And so, right? Yeah, and and that's a great point, and, and it brings up a really good point. So let's say I'm. You know, I'm in St. Louis, and so this 250-mile radius things, but let's say, because I am, I'm friends with Lee Pritz, who's at Arizona State. And I yep. say, Lee, you know, I know you have an RTC out there. I'd like to come out there and train with with you, with Coach Jones, with Jordan Oliver, with Nation Garrett, with these other guys. Yeah. How does that work? How do I how do I make that happen so it's all compliant and all that kind of stuff? Cause, well, from you know, a well, – well, let me just make this make this sh- – Clear. Okay. From a PSA standpoint, it's not allowable. They have to stay within the 250 miles. Okay. Okay. I was talking about post grads going in and doing this, right? The the David Taylors and sure. uh, Nick Wazowski's, the you know those guys, not they can go train at any RTC they want, and they're doing it. There's collaboration, right? That's my. They're question. going in and training together. So no, a PSA can't do it. They're limited. And PSA you know, they're limited. For what? Prospective student athlete. So somebody who still has eligibility. That he, yes, correct, correct. So, so and, and I mean, I'm, I'm an old old guy, but let's just pretend I'm not quite so old. I'm 26, but I don't have eligibility anymore. Then to go train at the Arizona State RTC or Sunkiss Kids or whatever that case may be, that's just a matter of them being willing to have me. If it's, you meet the criteria, right? right? If you want to match the you know, one again, if you meet that. And those guys at that RTC, you're a senior level athlete, that age level, and you want to go train, you can go train at any RTC in the country you want. There's no restrictions for you. Okay, because I'm not a PSA. I'm you're a, not a PSA. I'm a post-PSA, yeah. if that's a real term or not. Yeah, you're right. You've used up your eligibility, and you're you're training at the senior level now. I got it. And so that's where you're seeing a lot of the collaboration and, and idea sharing and training you know, ideas being shared with each other. And, and really what you're looking for is that's what's happening. There's this growth, right? Like, yes. Yeah. It, it's, there's more of it. Not that, and once again, not that it's, it's never happened. I just think we're at a time where there's an increased effort to try to make these things happen. Well, right. Cause like, um, you know, I've been blessed on our show. We had, uh, Frank Beasley and Obi Blanc from North Carolina state. And then just had Cody Sanderson on from Penn state and, you know, Gwizdowski went to school at NC State, but I, kn- I know he does some training over at Nittany Lion. You know, yes. And, and that wouldn't have been copacetic a couple of years ago when he had eligibility. But now it's fine because yeah. he, he has no eligibility. So he can, he can go to any RTC once and wherever he thinks is going to help him get, get better. Which is, which is what they're doing. Yeah. That's exactly what they're doing, right? You can see that. I mean, there's right with social media out there anymore. It's easy to follow guys. They're popping around. They're training together and talking about how great it is. And um, for sure, right? You got that New York, you know, with uh, Kendall Cross and those guys out yeah. there, and they're they're bringing in, you know, Chingachvili's and and yeah. and those guys. I mean, yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> well, and and you're you're not old enough for this analogy, but you got to sort of be a proud papa bear that you're seeing this stuff go the way you want it to, right? Where those kind of things are happening and you've created, I mean, obviously along with your team of folks, but you've created this environment where that thought process, uh, that pursuit of excellence 
is not only happening, but it's encouraged. It's encouraged, and I, like I said a little bit ago, I think we're starting to see the results because of it. Yes. Well, yeah, like you said, the proof is in the pudding. You know I mean? It's yeah. documentable. So are, are there some specific folks that, that you work with on a daily basis that make your life easier that you'd like to give a shout-out to while, while, we've, while we've got you on the air? Well, just, uh, you know, in general, our, our coaches. But, uh, you know, I'm excited for the vision, and obviously with Rich and, and Les here and, and our, our coaching staff. We're getting a great coaching staff put together, and I think things are going to, you know, once again, I think the bar is going to get raised even more with the, with the hires that we're bringing on board. And I think that's a good thing, and they're going to have some fresh ideas and, and, and people that can collaborate with our volunteer pool out there that are at these RTCs. And, you know, I, I think that that's the biggest thing. But, you know, I, I go back to, too, I just got last few years in a quad, Candy Bars, Kira Berries, and Kiki Kellys that were our team leaders. Right. Uh, you know, there's no doubt. You, I mean, you look at Kira Berry and, and uh, Andy Barth, and they're Columbia alums, and, you know, they're helping get these uh, training centers up and running and, and, you know, doing that and funding these kids and, and programs. And I think it's great. Yeah. I think it's great. I mean, we're seeing it. There's an, there's a boost of energy. There's an influx of, of growth going on in, in what's happening. And, you know, sometimes change um, is hard for people. But, um, I, you know, I, I think that it's a given, and I think we have to do that or we're going to get left behind. And, but then we're going to, you know, we we see the, you know, we get results that we don't want to see. And the last thing that I want is, right, we go to these world championships and and people walk away and it's like, you know, kids are down and the parents are down. It's like, gosh, I just wasn't ready for that, Dave. I yeah. I was not ready. And I don't, I think that, like I said, there was not that long ago that that was that was a conversations, right? And the, yes. And and there were some prominent Division One coaches that I heard that too. I heard it. You know, we gotta, we've got to provide more opportunity. Well, okay, here we go. And, and we started running, and I, I just hope we can continue to keep getting after it. For sure. And w- one of the things, I mean, for folks that are listening, you've been very nice to me, but it's not like we've been friends 100 years or anything like that. I mean, I met you a couple of years ago at our charity event, the Missouri Border Brawl, but we don't have a longstanding relationship and you've been awesome in terms of, of giving me access and, and helping me hopefully do a good interview with you. One of the things that I was super impressed by, and I, and I hope you would just pass this along, folks, is your attitude and your vision of, like Brett Metcalf, being with that job at USA Wrestling and then leaving, and, and your yeah. whole thoughts on that. So can you can you share that with folks? Cause, I think it was just what I talked about. I mean, we were in a situation there, and I – for sure, we wanted to try and keep Brent around, and he had another opportunity to go, and, and it was obviously growth for wrestling, and, and it was best for his family. And I get that, right? And that was, that's a product of, of something that we're trying to nourish and flourish, and, and we lost uh, you know a staff member. And that doesn't bother me in the least, and not in the least. I think it's a positive. Um, you know, we wish Brent well. Uh, you know, obviously it was a short amount of time, but, uh, you know, I think these things that are going on for wrestling are, are good. And we joke a little bit around here and, and, uh, you know, with, with a little bit of the, the mantra that, uh, I really don't want to be in the business of legislating mediocrity. And, uh, you know, that's, you, you come, you come to work every day on fire and, and hope that you can make some change. And I think that's where we're at. I think we're getting some people on board that think that way and, um, we for sure got some volunteer coaches out there that are, that are wired the same way. And, 
and uh, we did, all we can do is keep working, and that's what we're doing because there's no doubt we're we're close on some things, but some of the countries that I talked about, we still got a ways to go to to truly get the red, white, blue on top and stay on top. Yeah, I, I think it's got to be really cool for you when you see these kids like the seven out of ten doing what they're doing. You know that, and I'm sure you wouldn't take credit, but in you know maybe when your head hits the pillow at night, knowing that you help these young men and women achieve really the the goals of a lifetime. You know that, I mean, I'm an old guy, but back in, it was 1986, I actually qualified for the world team and cadets and we boycotted that year because that year it was in right. Columbia, you know, when, right. it was like a scene out of Narcos down there, you know, but um, it, just to be able to try to well, make those trips. Yeah, and here's the thing, right, Dave? I mean, I'll just ask you personally. I mean, when you made that team and you were going there, would that have been your first international experience? Yeah, I'd gone to Disneyland. That was about it, yeah. Right, so you see my point, right, with what we're trying to do is get these kids around them in environments more, more training internationally, rubbing shoulders with guys because – that's that's what it was, right? You you bring in a kid and you train a week, maybe a week prior to Colorado Springs, and you load them up on a plane and say, "Good luck, boys, go get them." Right. And you get to the weigh-ins, and they, you know your the food, uh, you know you're you're literally coaching them up on the trip, like trying to get them to understand: don't drink the water. We got to be aware of disacclimation, taking care of your body, recovery. The weigh-in process is different. The bracketing process is different. You know, so there's you walk into the World Championships with a with a cadet, and it can be overwhelming. And what we're trying to get away from is have access the you know once again more them understand it more, so that when they walk into that world championships, they're they're not wise wide open eyes wide open. They're they're ready to go and they're comfortable. That's a big piece to it. Yes, I would agree, and I think you know, I think those guys back then, you know, they did the best they could, right? But, yeah, but. It doesn't mean it was great. You know, it could be better for sure. And right. I think that that's what you guys are doing is, yeah, well, okay, maybe that was the best we could do, but that's not the best now. Yeah, and it takes some work, right? It takes – got to raise more money. you got to get more people involved. I mean, it's yeah, it's work. It takes more time. <laughs> you got to, you know, beat the bushes a little bit more. you got to get more people involved, not just from a monetary standpoint, but it takes a lot. It's a lot of stress on our staff and trying to make these things happen and – but at the end of the day, we know it's going to make a difference, so we got to do it. Yeah, for sure. Well, your enthusiasm is is it's you'd have to be a complete goofball to not see it. You know, I mean, it's and it's infectious. And I think, you know, USA Wrestling is lucky to have you. Um, whenever I get the kind of recommendations about somebody like I did about you, I'm like, I need to call this guy and try to go make friends with him and beg him to come on my show. So. Well, I appreciate the time, Dave. I mean, it's a lot of good questions and appreciate it. And like I said, it's we still got a lot of work to do, a lot of growth, and can always get better. But I feel some things are starting to track pretty good. I think that's an understatement. I think you guys are doing a phenomenal job. And I think the cool thing about your job, I do think, I mean, it, it sounds like it's a truckload of work, but the cool thing is nobody's – you know, we all have different factions of fans in this country, right? Like people are rooting for an East Coast team or a Midwest team or a West Coast team, but we're all rooting for USA, you know? Yeah, no doubt. And so everybody, you know, probably doesn't feel like this all the time. Maybe some people are doing some knuckleheaded things, but at the end of the day, we're all supporting USA Wrestling and your guys, and especially what you're doing, developing these high-performance kids and programs and 
you know, I mean, like I said, I got to speak to Gary Mayab last week and, you know, very optimistic about the changes yes. we'll bring to, to Greco and Joe Russell to freestyle and um, just a tremendous amount of growth that, that you guys, even as well as you're doing. And, and, and Gary's the first one to say, look, it starts at the grassroots level. Yeah. You know, he's talking about, you know, hey, guys hit 26, 27, and we used to think that's their peak. And now it feels like that's sort of the end of their cycle. You know? Yeah. Well, you bring up a great point. Just recently at the London Olympics, the average age of a medal was 26.2 years of age. In Rio, it went already went down to 23.1. And I go back to, I don't think that was a lightning strike. I think that's definitely a trend and we'll continue to see that. You know, when you're talking just a four year gap, the average age of a medal. And, uh, I'll be interested to see what it looks like in, uh, Tokyo. Well, and you know, you look at the obvious, you know, on the, on the men's freestyle side, the two guys that medaled are still in college, you know? Yeah. And that's just us. You know, those, those stats are globally, right? That right. was yeah. every medalist at the, at the Olympic Right. Games. I know. Yeah. I do. I understand yeah. what you're saying. I'm just saying for, I mean, it's not like, yeah, but the U.S. had two 29 year olds. Like, no, we're actually on the younger side of the curve than even. <laughs> right. We, yeah, we were a part of that curve. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. so I know you're going to Lincoln this coming weekend, and then what all yeah. do you have ahead of you, Cody, for, for your role here? Yeah, so actually right after Lincoln, I'm going to head to Germany that following week. And another part of my job, what I talked about, is just making sure we got things in place. So I'm going to go check out a, a site and that for our acclimation camp uh, prior to the Paris World Championships in Germany. Wow. So I'm going to kill two birds with one stone and go over there and do a kid's camp on a Air Force base and then check out some potential sites for our senior-level guys going in uh, prior to Paris. Wow. Well, I, I didn't imagine you were going to let the grass grow underneath your feet, but um, I, I, I've, it's, it sounds cool what you're doing. And uh, I'm going to make a point of texting you when I get up there in Lincoln so I can shake your hand and thank you in person. Um, it's, it's been a great hour. I really I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, to talk to me in the audience today. I, I feel like I understand RTCs a lot better, not only from like the compliance side, but also literally the goals of what you're trying to accomplish and the success you guys have had in doing that. So I truly appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. Yeah, I appreciate the time for sure, Dave. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Cody Bickley from USA Wrestling. This is David Maricatani with Matt Chat. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you all next week. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.